It's Tuesdays with Aaron. Here's Jason Wilde with Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers on ESPN Wisconsin. It is Tuesdays with Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers show, the post by edition with Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Did we get our uh, technical difficulties figured out? That's uh, that's above my pay grade. Hopefully so. But I know your podcast is incredibly popular. So good. Yes. I will. Uh, I, we know we have people that work very, very hard to make sure that the program is on. So I, I know they're continuing to do so. How was your bye week? It was wonderful. All right. So Phil, uh, you, you, Phyllis, you, you, what? Phyllis, um, Phyllis, and you never are willing to tell us where you are during the buy. Now you did. That's the N word. I don't use that one. That's a big never. You never yeah. use never. I, I don't like using that never word. say never. Exactly. Uh, you seldom tell us where you are during the bye week when it's actually going on, and we talk to you on the phone. Although you did tell us you were in the nine two zero area code on Tuesday. I was. Uh, so what did you do? Um, where did you go, and are you rested, refreshed, and ready for the rest of the season? I'm rested and refreshed, yes. <laughs> 13 straight is going to be grind for sure, but uh, it's exciting to be back. I think the thing you always hope gets accomplished is you kind of get refreshed mentally, especially early in the season where physically you're you're doing pretty good. Uh, mentally, get refreshed, and we're able to do that. I think uh, all of us, talking to some of the guys about their break, uh, everybody was able to uh, get away, either uh, actually get away or uh, just kind of get away from it and spend some time away from the facility. Now, there were some uh, some guys who stuck around and worked out, uh, didn't didn't really go anywhere, um, but, uh, but I'm sure they got their own uh, type of rest as well. I was able to spend time in California, I had a, had a nice break, was able to turn my phone off and go to places where even if it was on I couldn't really be reached. Really? So that's uh that's the type of relaxation you're looking for. So when you do that, is there a little bit of you that it feels odd to be disconnected from the outside world or is it really enjoyable? I mean I, I understand not being on Twitter or not talking on the phone, but like to be completely un unreachable I don't know how many. That's times like I know it's a foreign foreign thought for most people these days. Yeah, I just gave Ever up since... Twitter while we were in Oregon, and it was <laughs> yeah. refreshing. How'd you do it? It was easy, yeah. actually. Not, not Ever not since MySpace came like along, you. actually. Ever since dial-up uh, AOL, which I think I've told that story before. Where it's it was always frustrating because it made so much noise dialing it up. You could never really sneak on the internet. I don't think you've ever said that. I, I used to have an AOL account. What was your there. account on AOL? Uh, like you had to have some catchy name because you were young, right? You wouldn't have just called yourself your, by your name. You would have had like quarterback in there or something, something, right? Something with quarterback and probably my number, uh, either five or twelve. I can't remember. Okay, exactly what it was five. I was five as a as a freshman. Okay. Yeah. And that would have been roughly around the AOL time frame. Probably. I'm pretty old, so that was. Yes, uh, you're getting up there. Didn't grow up in the '80s like yourself, but. Uh, I was born in the '70s, man. That's impressive. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to go off the uh, off the grid per se. Not entirely off the grid, obviously, but uh, but to go uh, to some remote places and realize that there's some beauty in life other than. Uh, your cell phone and the internet. 
So you didn't do any drastic changes to your appearance like Morgan Burnett did. Yeah, yeah. How about that? I I double taked on him multiple times yesterday when he walked in. I was like, "Who's this new guy?" <laughs> I think it looks good. Yeah. I was encouraging uh, some of the other guys uh, to do it. I'm not encouraging, but actually more just asking them, especially some of the guys who look like they spend a little bit more time on their on their dreads. Uh, McMillan, uh, he's got. Uh, two or three kind of grouped together and he said he wouldn't be cutting his at any point um i tease uh josh boyd uh about his uh his weave on his head um and <laughs> i don't know if he knows i'm joking I, like i happened from the start but I, I tease him about that all the time and uh he's not cutting his i don't think either so but uh you know it's a change i, I think he looks a few years younger, for sure. Wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, I was. I was surprised. But are there any other guys on the team that should try something new? You know, John Kuhn shaving the beard, or Tim Massey growing his hair out. Any other? No, guys? I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. What do you think Jordy all? Nelson will look like with a mustache? That'd be. It'd be pretty solid. He's getting up up around thirty. It's yeah, this. This is my last. This November will be my last opportunity to grow a mustache, where people st- still be looking at you like. Is he serious or is he doing this for a cause? Because once you hit 30, like you well know, you can have a mustache, and it's just uh, it's it's a lot more socially acceptable. It's not like, oh, did you see that mustache? It's kind of like, oh, he looks kind of distinguished. Yeah. You've nice. got the you've got the mustache on the billboard on uh, Ashland Avenue for Prevea. Very proud of that. Yeah, yes. and they were okay with that. They thought it was a good look for you on the billboard? That's maybe what I'm talking about here, where it's not as big of a deal <laughs> anymore. Like, ah, yeah, that's just normal. Now, what is that? Are you doing some sort of, like, uh, a Biggest Loser or Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition or something? You've got, like, a team of people behind you on the board. You bet. We got... Uh, and why didn't I get to join? Because I need help. You didn't send your video in in time. Although you definitely would have been a prime candidate. Uh, <laughs> I know you didn't have to announce that was a joke there, because maybe it wasn't. <laughs> yes, that was a joke. Out of courtesy to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got uh, six six folks who are uh, looking to uh, to change their life. Now it's not a it's not about total weight loss. It's more of um, I think a mindset and a and a way of living that uh, is going to allow them to have a longer life, obviously to be healthier, to avoid some of the uh, the health issues that can come uh, from being uh, a little overweight. But, uh, you know, I think it's teaching them uh, some just some simple things that they can do and incorporate in their life, whether it's exercise or diet or, uh, or other things to be a little healthier. They can share with their families uh, and friends because, as a, as a fan of The Biggest Loser, the thing that always strikes you, the TV show, is how many people are affected by one person making a choice to live healthier. It, it's like a spiderweb effect, I like to say, where it's one person who tells their family, who influences their friends, who influences those friends, and uh, it's encouraging. I mean, it's when you see somebody making those kind of decisions, you can't help but be inspired and look in the mirror and say, "Hey, I want I want to do something like that. I want to be healthier. I want to, uh, you know, I want to give myself an opportunity to have, uh, you know, the longevity in life uh, as a healthy person." 
Getting back to your bye week, the other thing I was just wondering was, did you did you watch any football at all during your downtime, or did you just totally? I did. I'm a fan. I'm I'm a football fan. So what did you watch? I saw. I was traveling a little bit on Sunday, so I saw. uh, I missed the Thursday night game. I saw part of uh, the Philly and Denver game, and in the Sunday night game, who was that? I think I saw that one. Do you remember? Atlanta and New England. Yes. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I watched uh, part of that one, and then uh, a little bit last night. Now I don't know if you saw this last night, but there was a fourth down play for the Dolphins, and obviously you and Joe Philbin go way back, and Mike Sherman was the coach here when you were drafted, and they had. I mean, it was fourth and like an inch, and they didn't quarterback sneak it. They handed it off to the running back. He got stuffed. Might have been third down. They had a punt, but they it was it was a very short distance to cover, and they didn't quarterback sneak it. And I've seen, you know, I I know Matt Flynn had a quarterback sneak that didn't go so well for him over the weekend. Is that is that removing itself from the game? Because it seems like Tom Brady runs it and still does it, converts it all the time. And you guys, you know, I you know I, I know I only throw you softballs, but you guys had fourth and inches in Cincinnati. And the call was to give it to Jonathan, and obviously we know what happened next. Where do you stand on the quarterback sneak? Is that something you would like to do? Is that something that you've had bad experiences with? Is that something that the coaching staff is reluctant to call because of your importance to the team? What do you think? Uh, well, I think league-wide you're not seeing a ton of those uh, consistently converted. Um, a lot of times it depends on the length. You know, it's it's almost a lower percentage play when it's fourth and a couple inches as compared to maybe uh, third and two feet. Really? I think in, in, if you watch some of the games, you can see that Tom has had some, uh, obviously, effectiveness throughout his career of, of converting, you know, one and a half yards on a third down, doing a quarterback. I think you're just less likely to get those two A-gap defenders on a third and one, maybe, as opposed to uh, a third and six inches okay uh, or fourth and a couple inches uh, you're more likely to get everybody in the box tight the line shrinks their splits and i really feel like it's it's a difficult play to convert when you have those circumstances tied together however we've had you know some good success here in the past on quarterback sneaks uh, i feel like my percentage running them is, is fairly high but uh yeah, it's a mindset up front that they're going to be our guys going to be lower than the defense and uh, we feel like I know we feel like regardless of the call, whether it's quarterback sneak or dive or outside zone, you know we got to convert 100 percent of those. Did you did you have you taken hits on that before? Like have you gotten somebody mentioned maybe the Washington game in 2010? Did you get hit hard on a quarterback sneak in that game? I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. if you've ever if there's if there's been any situations where you got hit really hard and maybe that would make it a little less. I'm not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure about the Washington. I don't remember a specific uh, hit there in that game. I did fumble one time on the goal line against uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. That was that was disappointing. Uh, other than that, I've got my helmet ripped off a couple times. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be something that uh, defenders occasionally enjoy doing on those. Because um, often what happens is if, if, if the defensive line submarines and the offensive line tries to go low, then it kind of creates this, uh, 
you and the linebackers who have a little bit of a running start on you, <laughs> which if you're going right over the center doesn't always bode well for the quarterback, obviously. Occasionally you get a, you get a helmet uh, taken off. So it's not as simple as seeing Bart Starr in the ice bowl kind of thing. Like I, it, it's, a, it's not an easy automatic thing, even though Tom Brady makes it look easy sometimes. No, I don't think so. Okay. And Tom often takes it uh, B or C gap. You know, he he doesn't, uh, yeah, he kind of offsets to the left a little bit. He had that one in the game. They got called back because the back was moving, but uh, he took that uh, outside of the, the left tackle there. Could you tell he was going to, was he going to hand off on the one where he fumbled the snap there late, or? I think it was outside, or um, kind of a C-gap run, it looked like. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I know you mentioned this earlier, and I know you take it one week at a time, but when you say 13 straight weeks, that does sound a little bit, daunting and i don't think this team has had a buy this early since mike mccarthy had a mustache and was the quarterback's coach in 1999 mm-hmm. what are the challenges of facing this kind of gauntlet and and how do you how do you deal with it because other than maybe thanksgiving if you can win that game feel good about yourselves and get a mini buy there afterward yo mini buy huh pseudo buy do you like that better oh, no i like mini buy that's that's good okay uh i think one thing we've talked about on this program before and i've talked about in my locker is uh, it's very important how you play at the end of the season, but it's also important that you're able to uh, to field a healthy football team. And this situation, uh, just like Carolina is going to be dealing with, and, and teams with a week five bye, because that's early as well, week six is early, teams that have to go 10, 11, 12, 13 straight, uh, it's going to be a more difficult uh, stress on the guys to be uh, healthy come week 17. So that's when you want to be playing your best and also when you want to be your healthiest, uh, if possible. Um, so that's kind of the, the main challenge that you see. One last thing before we look ahead to the Lions. Um, usually the bye, since it is later, it seems like kind of a good time to reflect. Obviously this year it's earlier, so... So we're not going to reflect. So are you able to look at the first three weeks and see maybe things that you like about this team and the way you've played and then look at things that maybe as a team and you personally need to improve it? In the quote unquote second half. Yeah, it's not really second half. We're right. still in our first quarter right. uh, of our season. I think a team's identity is formed uh, the first uh, couple quarters of the season. Uh, we're in week uh, five, our fourth game. I think there's a lot to be determined still. Guys' roles, um, you know, who's who's going to be uh, the playmakers come late in the season, who can stay healthy. A lot of, you know, a lot of uh, adversity is going to come our way. How do we respond to that? What kind of character do we have? Um, so that's going to be determined here in the next few weeks. Obviously, we're playing a real good football team coming in who's 3-1 and one, uh, division game. And uh, you know, then after that, you're playing the defending Super Bowl champs. So this is, uh, you know, this is going to be an important stretch for us. Let's look ahead to the Lions. What jumps out at you on film with them? Uh, this is obviously a team that you've seen quite a bit of over the last X number of years. I don't know if there's anything that jumps out because they're a common opponent. Uh, there's things that you uh, are obviously impressed by every time you watch uh, film of the Lions. Uh, you know they're they're well coached. They're big and strong and athletic up front. Um, they have uh, experience in the linebacking core. Uh, they have some uh, some depth and experience in the in the back end. Delmas. Uh, haven't played actually played against him a lot. He's been injured a few of the times that we've played, but obviously they're a better football team with him on the field. Glover Quinn coming over from the Texans adds some experience and talent to the back end. 
Chris Houston is playing uh, very, very well at corner. He has been uh, for the last few years. Uh, been playing at a high level. I mean, they're they're a lot. Uh, they're playing the way they want to play. I mean, their offense is scoring points. Their defense is causing havoc, creating turnovers. Um, this is a, a very good football team, and uh, it, it's always a battle when you play the Lions. When you are coming off of a bye, is the preparation any different? Uh, again, I know it was early, but are you able to give some of those unscouted looks that we talk about before an opener? Are you able to add some things? Will you find out new things, or will there be new things in the offense when you get to work on Wednesday? Um, it, it's yet to be determined. I think I'm sure that you're always uh, during the bye week doing self scouting and and as well as your opponent scouting and trying to um, you know break tendencies. It's a little different when you have a week eight, nine, or ten bye where you've kind of determined what kind of team you're going to be after those eight or nine games, and and then you really do a strong self scout. Uh, we're three games in, so I think we're still trying to figure out our identity, just like the Lions are trying to figure out what their identity is going to be and. And uh, it, it comes down to, as division games always do, as you see across the league, uh, there's a common opponent. Which team can execute the best and limit their mistakes? One last thing about the Lions. Obviously, you have rivalries with all three of the teams in the, your division, but where are things with this team? There seems to be a little bit of an edge to it, but at the same time, I feel like, didn't I see that you and Sue had become pals at a Nike event this off season? He's he said he really liked you, or I really like him, or something to that effect after you guys were together at some Nike event, right? I think he might have followed that up by saying, I'm not going to be any nicer on the field, <laughs> but I do really like him off the field. Hey, I, I respect that. I have no problem with that. Um, I, I think there's, uh, anytime you're playing a division opponent, there's a healthy a healthy rivalry there. Um, it's, you know, you know what kind of game it's going to be. It's going to be a physical game when you play Detroit, and uh, they're playing well. They're uh, three and one. They're tied for the division lead. They obviously just beat Chicago, so they have the uh, the tiebreaker there. And we're uh, sitting at one and two, trying to get back in the uh, in the division race here early. And knowing there's a lot of a lot of games left, but not one to fall uh, fall too far behind. I got an email today, and then we'll get to your Ask Aaron questions. Uh, the Conflict Free Campus Initiative. Hey. Aaron Rodgers and Emmanuel Sharik? E. Sharik E. Uh, I just know her as E's now wife. Sloan. Um, yeah. Yes, Sloan. Now? The right? show's it, been over for... Well, it was the finale. Didn't they get married in the finale? or didn't? Yeah, but the show's been... Okay. Been over. There's a movie now. coming out, though. Now, but yeah, there's like a movie. Now right? in the uh, TV well, land. Like it just happened yesterday, or like they're real people. So you're doing this. This is at UW, right? At yeah. UW Madison. You're uh, you're AM there. Yes, my alma mater. What is uh, what is this? And uh, then we'll get to our Ask Aaron questions. Well, I'm really excited to be to be working with uh, a great organization uh, called Raise Hope for Congo under the banner of the Enough Project, and and they're we're, we're trying to raise awareness for. Uh, some of the atrocities that are going on on the other side of the world. Uh, many people saw the movie Blood Diamond, which brought some attention and awareness to uh, the uh, conflict diamonds that were being used to fuel the war machine uh, over in Africa. And uh, to a similar degree, uh, with Race Over Congo, we're trying to raise awareness about uh, the minerals that are being used in the smartphones that we we love to uh, to have on our side all the time. Many are being uh, 
many of those minerals are, are conflict minerals that are being used to fuel uh, the war machine over in Congo uh, and some of these uh, these groups uh, who are uh, doing some, some really awful things over there, obviously making... Uh, children uh, into soldiers uh, the, uh, the just the straight genocide wiping out entire villages uh, the raping and pillaging that's going on over there so we're trying to to raise awareness and have these uh, have campuses across the country um, ra- you know raise up together with one voice and say enough enough is enough we're gonna we're gonna force these companies to uh, to only buy conflict free minerals um, and so I'm really proud to be associated with this organization. Funny story: I was wearing my shirt uh, during uh, uh, when I was at St. Norbert's going to get a snack during training camp, and it's uh, and uh, Andy Malumba uh, was walking the other way. He was walking back to the dorms and said, "Hey, what's my uh, country doing on your shirt?" So it was a great opportunity to talk to Andy about uh, what. Uh, the Enough Project and Raise Hope for Congo is is trying to do to raise awareness uh, about his home country of uh, of Congo, and Andy's going to be uh, coming down to the rally as well. We're we're, uh, we're at 15 campuses right now. I've signed the initiative to uh, um, to be conflict free campuses and conflict mineral uh, free campuses. And how did this come about? How did you? Uh, get well, back? you know what? I, I was uh, friends with Emmanuel and. Uh, had talked about helping out the organization in Wisconsin because uh, uh, people uh, know me a little bit out here, and and also my own uh, personal journey to to trying to make a, a greater impact on uh, on some causes that I, I think are pretty pretty amazing uh, worldwide. I'm doing some some fun things, obviously domestically, but uh, but trying to look at some impact I, that uh, my my influence and my platform can have on a, on a global scale. Let's get to a few Ask Aaron questions. If you want to chime in, you can do it with the hashtag Ask Aaron, although not today because we've got our list. Uh, Mike says, what are your thoughts about the fact that the Lions haven't won in Lambeau since 1991? I find that to be unbelievable. Yeah, that's quite a streak. Uh, I don't want that to end on my watch. <laughs> uh, Thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. Uh, Tom, are you envious of the Denver Broncos' offensive success? The Packers' offense should dominate like that. That's, Tom wanted to send you a message about your production, production so far this uh, this season. Thanks, Tom. Nate says, do you have any thoughts on EA Sports ending the NCAA football game uh, due to the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit? I find it all very interesting, especially some of the comments uh, that, that – uh, either past players or, or current players are making about uh, about everything. Uh, there's obviously the proponents of uh, of pay for play for college are talking about how NCAA is making millions of dollars off these kids. Uh, the opponents are saying, "Hey, you're already getting a free education. Um, why should you get excuse me money as well?" Uh, I, I don't know if I have a legit uh, opinion that's, that's backed up by anything other than personal feelings but i can say that uh i think it is it is interesting how uh how the ncaa is making uh, all this money and then will crack down uh on some of the stuff i always had a problem with like uh you know if i were to i've said on this program before if i were to take my little brother who was in college and a buddy out to dinner i couldn't pay for his buddy having dinner just the little things that they'll crack down on but the the you know the BCS bowls when I was playing was fourteen million dollars to a school for 
um, you know, for going to a BCS bowl. I, I just, I, I think that the, that dimension of it, the millions they're making compared to the stuff they crack down on these kids uh, for doing, uh, I always found that uh, interesting. You know, the one thing that bothers me, and you didn't have to worry about this at Cal, um, because obviously you were who you were, but I don't think most people realize that guys are on four, or they're essentially on four one-year scholarships that they have to be renewed every year. It's not like you get there and it's a free ride, and if you blow out your knee, the school's automatically going to honor it because they gave you a four-year ride, right? I mean, you, you you could be out the window whenever. You definitely could. I've seen uh, scholarships get pulled before, and it's you know it's oftentimes when a new coach comes in and says, hey, you're not going to be here. Um, it's kind of a forced... Uh, forced leave the you know forced right. uh, pulled scholarship. Uh, you know our issue in Berkeley was always if you wanted to live, you either obviously we got our school paid for and our books paid for, and then we had a stipend to live each month if you didn't live in the dorms. So we lived in the dorms. You had uh, your meal plan and you got no money, uh, which I love the dorms. They were awesome. If you lived off campus, you had seven hundred dollars, I believe, and you got. Uh, one meal three times a week uh, at your uh, at the stadium. Uh, training table, and then uh, you're on your own. Well, if you want to live uh, within 15 minutes of the school, uh, you're paying uh, $700 for your own room. So anybody who who uh, didn't come from a, a lot of wealth, obviously you're going to have some issues uh, paying rent or, like myself, living in some really rough areas, as I did uh, my junior year, um, and paying uh, you know 400 bucks to split a room. Uh, and the other room was a living room in, in about a 400-square-foot. Uh, you lived in a rough neighborhood? I did. Really? I did. There was some interesting stuff that went on. Now, again, opponents of that would say, hey, you're getting your school paid for at a great university. I totally understand that. I, I just think that uh, the NCAA has some things to think about when they're, the revenue is way up and the things they're cracking down on are... Uh, and and the money they're giving out is maybe not uh, not allowing these kids to uh, to survive. A couple more. You can't even go on a date. I know, it's rough. Uh, a couple more quick ones. Seth says, your boy Juwan Howard is now an assistant coach for the Heat. Which of your teammates do you think would make good coaches, and who would you want to be yours? Let me say Juwan, I think, has GM written all over him. I'm going to say <laughs> uh, over under eight years. Head coach or GM? Okay, I'm gonna say the under under eight years. Uh, he's gonna be a head coach or a GM. Uh, which what is the question again? Uh, coach or which one of your teammates do you see as a potential assistant coach? Or it's funny. AJ and I were sitting back the other day talking about uh, who would be the coaches because we got to hear from one of our coaches um, about kind of his journey, Jason Simmons, uh, who gave us uh, a really good insight onto. Uh, he played 10 years, and then his transition, and we were talking about transitioning uh, in a life skills uh, environment. Uh, I think John Kuhn would have some interest in coaching. He's an excellent football mind and a good motivator, and I think he would be a great coach. You look at uh, some of the linemen, you know, because a lot of times the line coaches are former NFL players. Not always, but uh, and you think that the – who of those guys would be uh, would be a coach? Uh, you know, TJ or Josh. You'd kind of you kind of laugh about those guys because their personality. But I think both those guys would do uh, an excellent job and really be uh, 
good teachers of the game, and, and they understand, uh, obviously, uh, offense really well and blocking schemes and stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to look back in, in 15, 20 years at, uh, at who's in the game and what roles they're taking. I, as an older player, look at our staff, and we have Zach Woodfin, an assistant uh, strength coach who I played with yep. my rookie year, Rob Davis. I obviously played with Rob for three years. Most people uh, obviously wouldn't think that. Uh, who else do we have? I think there's one other guy that I that I played with. I don't know. I'm not thinking very clearly right now. But uh, but it's interesting when you start uh, getting on the other side of uh, of nine, ten, eleven years in this league. You can uh, see some of the guys you played with or been around who are uh, in the game and doing things. Terrence Murphy came up for a coaching uh, assistant uh, internship yeah two years ago and he was uh, drafted in my draft class so that's fun brady papinga give brady a shout out brady's doing a great job on sideline he's not coaching but he's <laughs> doing sideline imagine reporting. what he'd be like coaching high school football i just i think he should be in a tank top when he does his <laughs> sideline reporting now and our last question and this you know we were rushed for time last week um and I thought this was really interesting, something that you said, and Misty's question is, in response to what you said last week, do you really hate losing more than you love to win? I, that struck me. Is that What is that? Can you kind of expand on that and explain where you're coming from with that? He's not the in best color man. Could, and... In words that you could comprehend, Jason, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's just a mindset that you, you care so much about this, you put so much work into it, uh, preparation. Um, it's just I've found it to often be the case the joy of winning uh, cannot always equal the disappointment uh, in losing and it's it's a perfectionist mindset it's a uh, a mindset you have when you really care about something I think is that uh, you know you expect to win and you 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 love winning but um, the the high is not quite as low as uh, as the losses are um uh, there's obviously a few exceptions, um, playoff wins, Super Bowl wins. But uh, but you even said on the Super Bowl bus, you sat down and thought, is this it, right? I did, yeah. Doesn't that kind of say everything about uh, what uh, – contrast that feeling to the feeling on the bus in San Francisco in January? It's hard to. Uh, it, it's hard to. I was obviously uh, elated about the Super Bowl um, and – pretty down about uh, any any of the playoff losses we've had um, it's hard to compare them but i can i can tell you that uh, because because i i can i care about it so much i'm very competitive um, it stings worse losing than uh than it, it feels good to win well we will talk again next tuesday we'll see if you're discussing how much how good it feels to win or how painful it is to lose when you face the Detroit Lions on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Get your Ask Aaron questions in all week long. You can get ready for next week's show. This has been the Aaron Rodgers Show.